Father, we thank you, Father, for this time. Father, we humble ourselves before you, Father. Yes, Lord, these are the days of Elijah. Preparing the way of the Lord. Father, even as we meditate upon your word this evening, Father, I pray that you would anoint us afresh. Anoint each one of us, O Lord. Father, we need to hear from you. Not the words of man, but your words. Because you and you alone have the words of life. And therefore, Father, we've come with an expectancy in our heart that we will hear from you. That you will speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. Speak to our hearts this evening, from the youngest to the oldest. And to all those who will hear in the days to come. Father, speak. Speak. You are a living God. You still speak. Father, unless you speak, O Lord, in these last days, where can we go, O Lord? Your word is the living word. And Lord, you send your word at the right moment, at the right time to each one of us. And therefore, speak to us this this evening, we pray. Anoint each one of us afresh. Let there be clarity. Let there be unction. And then let there be authority. And Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just give me one more minute and we'll be up and running. Uh, if you Just to uh, do a recap of uh, what we've been studying on uh, through the weeks. One of the things that we've studied on Sunday especially is on the cost of discipleship cost of discipleship and look at the great commission the great commission has four dimensions and each of the gospel writers gives a particular dimension of the great commission and uh, of late one of the in, in my daily readings and i've been going through the gospels studying carefully not not some parts carefully but reading through and even as i'm reading through the gospels i'm amazed at how intricately wound, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the design of the word of God, it's so beautiful, it's so perfect. Even though there are four different authors, but the same spirit animating through each one of them and the message is so coherent, it's just one message coming through and you can, and you will realize that even as you read the word and ask God for that. Just, just one more minute before we start off the message. John the Baptist, Jesus never had PowerPoints, and so does Ravi Zak. He says, God gives me the power, and I make the point. Today's message, by the way, is one of the dimensions of the Great Commission, which is being a witness. I'm going to talk about briefly the four dimensions. First, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, not just teaching them, it is teaching them to observe, an impossible commandment by the way, just not some things that I have commanded you, all the things that I have commanded you, and I I am with you always, even to the end of the age, And and the focus is to make disciples, and last Sunday's message was the cost of discipleship, All things, 
Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, will talk about a different dimension. He says, and he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, by no, by no means it will hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He's talking about a specific dimension of Mark's gospel, in the gospel according to Mark. Uh, we'll not go into the details of this, but just uh, another dimension is in, found in John's gospel chapter 21. Another dimension of the great commission. This is more unique, more specific. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, they said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So three things given to Simon Peter, specific things. Be a shepherd. What does it mean? Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Different from feed my sheep and, sorry, feed my lambs, tend my sheep and feed my sheep, be a shepherd. That's, that's the, another, another dimension of the Great, Great Commission, which is a specific, and that is given to Simon Peter, especially. Luke's Gospel chapter 24 will talk about another specific dimension of the Great Commission, and that is where we're going to, uh, launch our message from today. This is 24 and verse 46 onwards, and he said to him, thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for Christ, for the Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. Not my witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And of course, uh, gospel according to Luke volume 2 would be Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. He's continuing there and this is the specifics of that great commission that he's talked about in 24. Therefore, when they came, uh, when, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all the Judea, in Samaria and to the end of the world. Being disciples, preaching the gospel to all nations and casting out demons, being shepherd, but the whole thing is to be a witness. And today I want to just talk about what is what does it mean to be a witness? That is what I want to focus on. What does it mean to be a witness? Witness of him. Witness for him. And of course, the witness, the word witness comes from the Greek word, which is martyrio, from which we get the word martyr. Martyr. Martyr comes from the word, this is essentially witness. What does it mean to be a witness? So we learn from one character in the Bible who was a witness, specifically called a witness. And do you know who it is? 
the first witness in the New Testament is, it is not, we know him popularly and scripture also says that we know him as John the Baptist, but today I want to talk about John the Witness. That is what I'm talking, I'm going to talk about today. Learning from John the Witness is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Last man, of the old covenant and we've got so many things to learn from him. He was the one who came in the spirit of the power of Elijah. And so that's what we, we were singing today. The first song. These are the days of Elijah. And we want to learn from this man. What is it to be a witness? And therefore we'll go to the gospel according to John. Where he's introduced. Very uniquely, specifically. It's as if the Holy Spirit is interjecting the flow of thought and interpolating the witness. It's remarkable. It's beautiful. This is John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 6 onwards. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he wa- but was sent to bear witness for that light. Remarkable. Three times he came, this man came for a witness, to bear witness, to bear witness for that light. And who is this light? In him was light and, sorry, life. And that life or the light was the life of men. He's talking about bearing witness of the to, of that light the first thing i learned from this three these three verses very first thing very first lesson that i learned who is this man he is a man sent from god a man under authority under orders the first lesson a man Sent from God. Keep that in mind. First lesson. You know, when you get this, all the things in your life will fall into place. Remember the, the last Wednesday's message, the last part of the last Wednesday's message. Christian life is not linear. It is what? Vertical. Of course, uh, what linear for mathematicians is like this. But for literature people, it's like, this is fine, no problem. I don't have a problem with that definition. (laughs) But I don't have a problem. The idea being, the idea being, no, I remember when my dad and I were in my convocation. Remember the convocation address by that guy from uh, some uh, entrepreneur who came? And he said, you know what? The world has become flat. First time I heard that from an entrepreneur. And what does it mean? He says, you know what? There is no clear demarcations in terms of hierarchy anymore. Everybody is equal. Your boss, you don't have to call your boss. Your boss, you can call him by name. And that's first one of the mistakes that I did as a believer. And you know what? When you do mistakes like a believer, God will pull you up for that. I called my boss mother one day. It's remarkable how God will pull you up for that, no? Uh, I was talking to one of my colleagues and I have a loud voice and you have a soundproof glass and my boss was passing by like that and I said, Madhav didn't say this to me and then 
I said, Vijay, uh, he called me to his room and he said, uh, Vijay, I don't mind you calling me by name, but uh, I said, oh my goodness, <laughs> he had to, of all the things he had to hear that. <laughs> See, amazing, he'll pull you up for that. Earth is flat. A man sent from God, you need to understand a clear demarcation. A man under authority who understands hierarchy and what is the the proof or the evidence that he understands hierarchy is one, two, three, four, five words. Let's all read those five words. Read that. He was not that light. So lesson one, if you want to be a witness, you need to understand a witness knows what he or she is not. Thank you. And if you understand what you are not, so many problems in your life will be solved. We all suffer from a major identity crisis these days because we do not know what we are not. And therefore, because we do not know what we are not, we don't have a clarity as to who we are. You see? How do we recognize who we are not? Need to understand the first thing what we are not. First thing, the creation is not the creator. Clear distinction. That's the first fallacy in the garden was the bait given to Eve. What was the bait given to Eve? Oh, look at that. Genesis chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, of the fruit that is, your eyes will be open and you will be like, not small g, but capital G. Like God. Like God. See? No distinction. That's exactly what he wanted to be, by the way. I will ascend. I will do. I will. I will. I will. I will. Five times. And he was brought low. That is the reason why Romans chapter 24. You, you need to understand. You see in our generation especially. No, I'm speaking to my generation particularly. You see the confusion in the minds of people because they do not know what they are not and they've exchanged worshipping the creator to worshipping creation. And that's what, that's what exactly happens in Romans chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. It says, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature Rather than the creator. You need to understand. That's exactly what it means for God to be holy. What does it mean for God to be holy? That he is set apart from creation. He is not the creator. That's exactly what he says. I am not a man that I should lie. He is not creation. He is set apart from his creation. That is, he is absolutely condescending in that he comes and becomes a man. But that's only his humility. We don't take advantage and... And, and of that fact and think that we are something great. No, no. And I love the prayer that, that Samuel was praying. What 
is man that you are mindful of him. And the son of man that you visit him. What are we? What are we? I mean, Jacob, worm. <laughs> we come back to that later on. Recognize what we are not. And this is so clear, no? We need to understand this is this is what Pastor was talking about on Wednesday. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse two onwards. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. What does it tell me? Woman, you are not man. You have to read through this. No, I mean, that's the major problem in marriages because women think that they are man. Man, you are not woman. What does it tell me? You are supposed to be the spiritual head in your home. Therefore, exercise spiritual headship. So anything spiritual, particularly, anything that is spiritual, concerning spiritual things, who takes the initiative in the house is the man, not the woman. The onus is upon the man. That is the reason why even though Eve messed up, it is Adam who is pulled up. It's Adam who is pulled up. Adam, Adam, where are you? And scripture says Adam was not deceived, but Eve was deceived. She fell into transgression after being deceived. Recognize that. You know, it's amazing. The head of Christ is God. Meaning, even Christ, he knows that he is not the father, even though they are one. It's remarkable. The father is not the son, and the son is not the father, but they are one. But they have a clear, clear demarcation between the two. The son will always do what the father asks him to do, even though he is God. He, even though he can exercise autonomy if he wants to, if he chooses to. Another thing, children, you are not parents. What are you? Not parents. You know, this is so important, especially in our day, day and age. I'll tell you why this is important. I'm observing children these days. I'm observing, you know, because I have a, 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 a an experimental setup called Grace Tabernacle Learning Center. And I, ex, I mean, not experimenting, I'm not experimenting with them. I'm just observing them like a scientist and I'm jotting down all the observations. And I'm, I'm seeing patterns. And I'm coming, coming to conclusions. That's exactly what scientists do. They take data. They observe patterns and they come to conclusions and the conclusions are just blowing me away. You know why? Because these days, children don't understand that they are not parents. And parents don't realize that children are children. So who runs the home? The children run the home. I've seen that even in our own school. Where children run the home and they get that attitude to the school and they don't understand what is this to submit to teacher and why is teacher not oh sorry we call them supervisor in our school okay fine but why is the supervisor not agreeing to my terms you see you observe that I remember one student I don't want to name his name madam I'm getting bored madam I don't want to study 
This is his attitude, no? And the supervisor, oh, you don't, you're getting bored? Jasid, ma'am, the student is getting bored. What? He's getting bored? Let him get bored. Let him get bored. He is not going to run my school. He is not the supervisor. You understand that? That is the reason why if you read Psalm 16, I love that verse when pastor was talking about drawing lines. My, my mind just went to that verse in Psalm 16 which says, My lines have fallen for me. I love that word. Huh. So I think Psalm 16 verse 4 or verse 5. My lines have fallen for me. In what places? In pleasant places. I have a glorious inheritance. I love that, no? When I understand what I am not, and I know where the boundaries are, when there are clear demarcations, and I stay within those boundaries, it is for my safety. And I am telling you honestly, these days, children run the home in many places. Many places. And because parents don't have time for their children, and they just give them whatever they want. One father said, oh, you please ask them to read the Bible. I gave you iPad, no? Uh, did you download NKJV app? As if he's going to download NKJV app. On his computer. What did you give him? Why don't you give him this? He runs the home. She runs the home. Because they don't understand what they are not. And most of the problems in every every institution is because people don't, don't recognize what they are not. You see? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, Baba. Much more, not much more, any more clearer. This for, this is right, this is not Old Testament, this is New Testament. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it will be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And I tell Abigail, I said, come here Abigail, Abigail. I tell my children, very, very tough sometimes. Says, you want to have a blessing in your life? You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be really talented. One thing you need to be, obey your father and mother. Obey. Keep, I'll tell her, I told her, I mean, some, in the, in the meeting I said, you know Abigail, if you rebel, you will not be blessed. You will not. And I have to tell them right now, because when they grow old, I'm not sure if I'll be having the, this kind of a rapper with them, that they hear me. That is the reason why Abraham is called the father of all believers. You know why? Why is he called the father? He says he was going to command his children what they were supposed to do. That is the reason why God says, can I withhold from Abraham what I'm about to do? Knowing that Abraham is going to be a great nation, that he's going to command his children to follow and obey my statutes and my commandments. Do we as men, as fathers and fathers especially, do we take the spiritual initiative in the house? Spiritual initiative. Tell them children, boundaries are very, very, very clear. Here, don't cross the line. Recognize what you're not. Proverbs chapter 15, 5 verses 12 to 14. I love this verse. And and how I hated instruction, it says, and my heart despised correction. 
I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Recognize whom you are not. Next one. Congregation, you are not the elder. What is that? Very clear. Very, very clear. There is a hierarchy. It is not going to be, I mean, so many churches, right? Where congregation are elder. So they'll have a, a what do you call a, a, a form. Uh, did you like the worship? Did you like the word? What are your recommendations to make our church better? What are your recommendations? And they will recommend. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 will say, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. As they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. You need to understand. So many people have caused authority grief. One of the things I constantly keep telling myself is, I am not Pastor James. Very clear. So I don't take final decisions even in council. Somebody else comes and asks me, you know it, I don't have to lie to you. If somebody comes and asks me, what should I do? I give them my opinion and I say, you know what, check with Pastor. Check with Pastor. Because I am not Pastor James. Very simple. I have made those boundaries very clear for myself. Very, very clear. That is the reason why he tells shepherds, 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 he says the elders, elders, he says, elders, shepherd the flock which is where? Among you, not somebody else's flock, which is among you. You see? Very clear, very clear, and it has saved me from so many problems in my life. Ten years, I've come clean, <laughs> not because I'm more spiritual or better than many of you. It is because I have made those things very clear for myself. What I am not is very clear. Very, very, very clear. So look at what it says in First Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you younger people. When it says younger people, it is just not talking about age. Younger in terms of spiritual age. So you could be 70 years old. You could still be 7 years old in the Lord. Submit yourselves to your elders who are elders in spiritual age. Yes. All of you be submissive to one another. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the Recognize what you are not. Then, employees, you are not employers. Did you get that? Okay. It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. Because now the culture is, everything is becoming flat. And remember that Infosys guy who came, the new CEO. Those days, Infosys had a all-formal day. Sorry, not all-formal day. Uh, all-casual day. All-casual day was only on a Friday. Every other day was a formal day. And if you do not come in your formal attire, the chowkidar at the, <laughs> at where you swipe your login password, he'll send you home. <laughs> that day he's the boss. You cannot say, I'm the software engineer. Don't you know that I'm a software engineer? I earn more than you. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. And then the new CEO comes. 
And they had all casual day on Friday. So on Friday, all restraint gone. And they hated that culture. And precisely the reason why Infosys is going really, really down because there was there's no discipline anymore. And for such a huge organization, which is a service organization, you need to have discipline. Huge organization. How are you going to maintain discipline in a huge organization? 13,000 employees in Hyderabad campus. Alone. And then the new CEO comes, oh, remove this one circular, everyday casual day. Everything changed. Everything changed. My, my father used to use that one thing by Francis Bacon. Apparel proclaimeth the man. I, for, I don't never, rem, I forget that. You know, he, just, he just put it in my mind, never understood what it is until I came to full-time ministry. Because I was one casual guy. I never cared about my dress, attire. Apparel proclaimeth the man. The man. And it's interesting that the apparel of John the Baptist is given. Everybody is else. And, 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 and he says, and, 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 and Jesus says, do you see these guys who wear costly raiment? They are in king's palaces. But do you see John? Do you see John? Behold, those who wear costly apparel are in king's palaces. But this man is there in is there somewhere? And that is the reason why apparel. How is your apparel? How is your apparel? How do you dress? It's very important. What you are not. What you are not. Servants, we are not masters. Very clear. Look at, look, this is, this principle, by the way, comes very, very much, I mean, it comes very uh, nicely in Luke's Gospel chapter 17, verse 7 onwards. And which of you? Having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him, when he has come from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. No? What what will he say? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourselves and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? (laughs) I think not, Jesus says. (laughs) <laughs> I think not. Oh, thank you, servant, for doing your job. You're supposed to do your job. I'm the master. You are the servant, Baba. So likewise, you, when you have done all these things, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Do you have those do you really have this kind of a conviction in your heart? Do you really have a conviction in your heart? Because you know, I, I always see people who are craving for appreciation and approval all the time. All the time. If somebody doesn't commend them, they will not do it. It starts from the house. You're eating the food. Silence is enough. It's very tasty, okay? You don't need commendation. I worked so hard. I'm just giving examples. I worked so hard. And you don't even give in. Tell me how the food tastes. The problem is when you give a commendation is a problem. You don't give a commendation is a problem. When you don't give a commendation, well, you do not give a commendation. When you give a commendation, every time you say the same thing. They want novelty in commendation. 
You want that? Now, one of the things that I learned in my life lessons is whenever you wait, I say, fantastic, fabulous. And that has actually become a cliche now. And even my mother says, whatever you eat, you'll say the same thing. Baba, I want to be safe. Because I am not the cook. You see? <laughs> Commendations. Commendation. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't commend. But commendation comes late. Not now. When you have done everything. You know, Paul says, you know what? My conscience is clear. My conscience is But you know what? I'm still not justified. My commendation still comes from God. I'm not going to grade myself. A plus. No, no. No way. Then... Uh, recognize not that you are not the government, even though you are the government. That is what democracy is, right? Romans chapter 13 verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from, the, from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Resist, resist, resist. You see that? We are the resistance. That's the popular jargon these days. C.S. Lewis said, the only reason why I trust democracy or why I like democracy is because man is fallen. That's the reason why he says, I I, I subscribe to democracy only because I recognize that man has fallen. Why? I am not going to trust you completely that I'm going to give you all authority for whatever whatever time. So I'll just give you four years and see how you're doing and if I don't like you, next year gone. At the same time, I'm not going to trust you. So, in a democracy, <laughs> people don't trust the leader. The leader doesn't trust the people and therefore they just even each other out. And we have the same mentality when we come to church. Majority opinion. Doesn't matter. Recognize what you are not. For rulers are not a terror to good, to good works but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. Recognize very clearly what you are not. Why is this important? If we do not recognize what we are not then we are candidates for deception. You are a prime target to get suckered up, as John Piper says. I didn't get that. I got it from John Piper. Suckered up. And one of the reasons, one of the things, the pulpit, I mean, the, the, the reasons why we have a strong pulpit is because we want to protect you from deception. That is the, one of the motives of the preaching ministry. Objectives of the preaching ministry is to protect you from deception. To tell you what you are not. In most cases. <laughs> Fearlessly. Hopefully. Prove this. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 to 4. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is not that thing, that is nothing. What does he do? He lives himself. But let each one of examine his work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, just look at yourself. Don't look here and there. 
That is the reason, that's exactly what happened to Eve, by the way. She wanted to be something which she was not. And that's what Paul will say. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 to 3. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve. Why? How did she, how did he deceive Eve? By saying you can be like God. See? So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Know what you're not, saints. Know what you're not. My lines for me have been fallen, have fallen in pleasant places. I have a beautiful heritage. I have a beautiful heritage. I have a beautiful heritage. Secure. Look at this. Let us continue. What is the second characteristics? John's Gospel chapter 1. Let us look at the witness. And this is the testimony of John when the, when the Jews sent priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. <laughs> I am not the Christ. Very clear. And they asked him, What then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet that Moses spoke? He answered, You know what it tells me? Boy, a man in the Old Testament has clarity as to what he is not. So much clarity. Do you have a clarity of what you are not? Goes on. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Because you are troubling us by the way. What do, you, what do you say about yourself? And that is where our song comes. What am I? I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'm just a voice. Just a voice. Just a voice. It's not about me. As the prophet Isaiah said, and look at what it says, witness knows who or he, who he or she is not. He also knows who he or she is. Very clear. What does it tell me? He's secure in his identity. That is the reason why your identity is so important. Why is this important? Being secure in your identity liberates you to humility. This is my my statement. You can take it out if it's so. The one liner for the day. (laughs) Being secure in your identity liberates you to Let us all say that. Being secure in your identity liberates you to humility. How do I know it? John's Gospel chapter 13 verse 1 onwards. Now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, he knows all these things are happening to him. What happens? Look at what he says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, what did he do? He girded up his towel, and he went and started taking the lowest position. Jesus knew that the father had given him all things. So what did he do? He went and did the lowest job. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. 
I'll tell you where, where I'm going with this. John answered them, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who is coming, who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. Likewise, you, when you have done also these things, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We, we have done what is our duty to do. Being secure in your identity liberates you from a sense of competition. You know that? And they came to him, to John, and said, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to him you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. That means he is becoming more successful in ministry. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way. You know, uh, there is an interesting story I was reading to my children in the school. There's an inchworm. Okay. An inchworm? His name is Inchi Inchworm. If you don't know what an inchworm is, how many of you have seen an inchworm? Ah, you've seen an inchworm? You know how it crawls? Inch by inch. Like that, like that, like that. Slowly, inch by inch, inch by inch, inch by inch. And then inchworm had a friend. His name was, his name is Inchi Inchworm had a friend called Itsy Bitsy Cricket. You know how a cricket goes? Hops, jumps, hops, and jumps. Inchi, inchworm, itsy bitsy, cricket. So inchi, inchworm is struggling to move. No, it's done doing one step at a time, one inch at a time, and itsy bitsy cricket comes there. Says, inchi, inchworm looks at it, and itsy bitsy cricket knows that inchworm can't fly, he hops, whoop. Inchworm says, oh, how I wish I could be a cricket. I can hop like that. I have to move inch by inch, inch by inch. And then it's moving inch by inch. And uh, Itsy Bitsy Cricket uh, recognizes that he's got a better, (laughs) whatever talent, (laughs) than Inchworm. So he's showing off. See what I can do. Jumping and jumping and jumping. Showing off. And this fellow is feeling bad. What is common between the two, by the way? Somebody said, no, what is the difference between a fly and a mosquito? Except the fact that mosquito drinks blood and the fly does not. What is the difference between a fly and a mosquito? And this is what I learned in school, okay? What is the difference? It's a biology, it's a biology question. Can anybody knows the difference between a fly and a mosquito? Okay, very simple answer. A mosquito can fly, but a fly cannot mosquito. That's the only difference. But those are, both are insects. And so what is one insect showing off another insect? What can I do? I can do this. Jumping and jumping and jumping and suddenly there's a bird which comes over there. Early bird catches the boom. And then suddenly Inchi Inchworm is moving and moving and moving. The song says Inchi Inchworm is climbing up a hill. Oops, a bird. Inchi, stay still. So he looks at the worm. And he says, I better stay still. Uh, sorry, he looks at the bird and he says, stand still like that. And he says, I hope Itsy Bitsy Cricket knows that there's a bird over there. 
And what, what is Itsy Bitsy Cricket doing? He's completely oblivious to the bird. And he's trying to show off. He's making a racket. And jumping about and hopping and doing all kinds of things. And showing off to Inchi Inchwa. And he says, oh, I, I hope he doesn't make those noises. And suddenly you have a sound. Gone. Who's gone? The guy who shows off is gone. I loved that when I read that in a lesson. I said, boy, if all of us have that attitude, Baba, I am a worm. Jacob a worm. Some of you maybe crickets and can jump along very nicely, but you are a worm. I am a worm. Doesn't change anything. You are a faster worm than me. So how does it matter? You know, these are the lessons children learn. In GDLC, I'm just marketing, okay? <laughs> Promotion. <laughs> you see? I love that story. I said, boy, how many of us show off? Oh, we love to show off. You don't know there's a bird which is watching. And he's looking for your life. You show off. That is the reason why haughty spirit goes before a downfall. Pride goes before a downfall. So he says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, Baba, I know what I am not. <laughs> I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. I'm up absolutely content as to who I am because I'm secure in my identity. I'm not in competition with anybody. I just want to be the best worm that I can be. Even if I'm inchy. Amazing. Why? Very simple. A witness talks less about himself and more about the one whom he's witnessing. He must increase. I must decrease. You know, I love this, no? I love this. This is one of my most liberating verses in my Bible. Whenever I have this sense of competition coming into me, because I've been taught to be a competitive guy right from childhood. I have to be better here. I have to be better. Take it easy, okay? Just relax. Slow down. I said, you know what? Lord, I do not want to have anything that you do not want me to have. You know, it's a very bold statement to make. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you, ha- you need to really have boldness to make that statement. Real boldness. Lord, I don't want to be what you don't want to me, want, me, want me to be. I don't want to have what you don't want me to have. I'm absolutely content the way I am. So many people, miserable and I've seen so many people who lost their ministry because they were not content with what they were. They wanted to be like the other insect. Galatians chapter 5 verse 26 will say, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Meaning, don't try to make other people other people jealous. That's what happens to couples, right? Hurry, let us make them jealous. So what do they do? In front of others, they act as if they are very loving and all the other couples are like, look at that girl, how he loves his wife. You are there, always looking at me like that. 
How will upset Jaisri? I mean, if you naturally have that way of uh, showing affection, is okay. But you don't try to be that way to make them others feel jealous about you. You don't know how to love your wife. Look at very easy. You don't have to show off that you have a great marriage. Let God tell that you have a great marriage. You see, and others think that. Every other couple is fantastic, Baba. They don't have any problems. All problems in my marriage only. Like pastor says, good only, my marriage only. Every other marriage is good only, my marriage only, problem only. We have no idea, brothers. Second thing, and the next thing, witness knows that he or she is only a witness. Oh, I love that. What does it mean? John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with his two disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And he said, The two disciples heard, Who speak? John speak and followed. Jesus finished. My job is done. I have taken you to be my followers, to be make to be made his followers. You know, Zach Bunan in his one of his sermons, he said, I mean it's a beautiful statement. Or I know that man and really a humble man, really a humble man. He says, On Wednesdays, this is what I do. I come and sit quietly in the last seat in my church. Nobody knows that I come. And I let other brothers, other brothers preach. And I hear them preaching. And I get blessed. And I go, my job is done. They heard me speak. They're following Jesus. You know what he said? In my tomb, I want this to be written. They heard him speak. They followed Jesus. Boy. You know, follow those men. Those are your examples, saints. Those are your examples. That's it. Your job is done. Job is done. And I had tears in my eyes. I said, boy, I mean, it's, this is a call. It's remarkable. Remarkable. No wonder he's being used so mightily all around the world. You all see his reputation, but you don't see his heart. The next, that is my next slide, by the way. Witness cares about hearing from God rather than having a reputation. I love that. He wants to know that God has been speaking to him. Absolutely sure about that. I don't want... I don't want a reputation at the cost of hearing from God. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. This is talking about John the Baptist, by the way. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and the region of Traconitus, and Lysanus, Tetrarch of Abilene, 
Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. <laughs> and the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. I love that. God didn't speak to Annas and Caiaphas, except once. It is expedient for one man to die for the... <laughs> and that was just by default. By default, you know what by default is? Because he was the high priest, he prophesied, that's all. It's like Eli prophesying over Hannah. But that does not mean that Eli, Eli was hearing from God. No. What is your desire? Do you want a reputation or do you want to hear from God? And you know what? Our God speaks. Do you know that? He still speaks. The first words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form. Darkness covered. The Spirit of God brooded over the waters and God said, God said, God said, does he still speak to you? Do, you? do you hear from God? Do you hear from God? Possibly you're not hearing from God is because, because you care about your reputation. That is exactly the reason why Jesus says, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, how can God entrust to you eternal riches? That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Luke's, Luke's Gospel chapter 16. And look at this king. Look at this king, he's writing a psalm. So when he writes a psalm, this is how he introduces a psalm, by the way. Have you ever seen this introduction? This is Psalm 51. To the chief musician. A psalm of David. This is David's writing. When Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bethsheba. Let the whole world know. Why? I've stopped hearing from him. And you know what? One of his, one of his cries says, Lord, look at this, look at this verse 8. Make me hear joy, Lord. I lost my hearing. I lost it. Make me hear. Make me hear. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. He lost his hearing. Why? Because honor me, Samuel, in front of the people. And then it says, God stopped speaking to him through visions, through dreams, through prophets. He was not hearing the voice of God at all. And therefore he had to go to the, to the witch, finally. They care about hearing from God. Do you hear from God? That is one of my heart's desire these days. Lord, if I don't hear from you, I can't survive. I can't. Especially after I become, come to full-time ministry, I know that. I mean, I read one man of God saying, one of the characteristics people do not forgive in a pastor is unfamiliarity with God. Unfamiliarity with God. Are you familiar with him? What I, mean, what I mean by that is, do you have the communion with him? Are you hearing from him? Is he revealing himself to you in greater and greater measures even as the days go by? Therefore, because he doesn't care about a reputation, you know what? Another thing about a witness. Witness, everybody read that. Witness remains hidden in God until his Okay, my personal testimony was, sometimes I get frustrated with my preaching, honestly. Okay. Get frustrated, frustrated, really frustrated. Until I heard a man of God yesterday, the other day, he says, at least you have to be 300 to 400 sermons old to be starting as a preacher. 
So I went online and I checked how many. <laughs> I said, okay, 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 I've got a long. No, no, you think about it, no? Because, see, we all want to be known. You don't want to be hidden. You know, this guy preaches like Piper, I don't, I don't know. Whatever that is. Because we do not want to be ourselves. What God wants us to be. And therefore you will have all, all kinds of dreams, no? I had a dream. I was preaching in Piper's conference. <laughs> My wife said, then it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we see all these dreams because I want to be known, I want to be known, I want to be known. Love that. Attitude, it's liberating. You see, it's liberating to be a witness actually. <laughs> it's liberating to be a witness, to be known as Elisha who washes the hands of Elijah is liberating. That's just an insect, by the way, to remind us. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 80. Look at this. This is about John the, John the Baptist. John the witness. So the child grew, this is John the witness, and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Can you be hidden? Can you be hidden? You know, there's a competition. I want to be the youngest preacher. I want to be the youngest, this youngest that the competition in ministry. But God is not looking for if you are the youngest or the oldest, he's looking for. He doesn't care, by the way. He could use a young man, he could use an old man, but he's looking for character. Sometimes the character might take 13 years like it took Joseph. Or like 40 years like it took Moses. Or like hundred years <laughs> till Abraham was perfected. What do you want? Do you want a character or do you want a reputation? How do you want to remain? I love that is the reason why I love to hear people who have been in ministry and their convictions, and I want those convictions to be mine. And one of the convictions of Pastor Sundar Krishnan, who's retired now, and he's completely oblivious, by the way. He doesn't he's very secretly ministering. Nobody knows where he is, by the way. Here on this conference, that conference, you see him. And what he said? I prayed to God that I, that he gives me the blessing of obscurity. The blessing of obscurity. You like that? You like that? You want to be not known? And that is the reason why giving, you know, that is, that is where, that is the reason why in chapter 6 he says, uh, if uh, the ESV, by the way, he says, let your righteous acts not be seen, but it let it be hidden. Because God who sees you in secret will, be reward, will reward you openly. See? Look at, this is Apostle Paul, by the way, Galatians chapter 1. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood and say, oh, I'm the apostle, I'm the apostle, I'm the apostle. No. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned 
to Damascus for how many years? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Not known. Not known. Hidden. Hidden in God. Hidden. Strive for that, brothers. Strive for that. It's my convictions. And I, this is always something I keep on judging myself. Lord, honestly, I should never come to the pulpit unless you ask me to come that day. Never. Because I am not interested in, 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 in pleasing men or showing off my talent. It is more important that you, you approve of me. You. And if it takes time, let it take, Lord. Let it take. No problem. My convictions. And therefore, therefore, because he has a hidden life in God, and he doesn't care about reputation, but he cares about hearing from God, what happens to this witness? He is not a people pleaser. His message is the same. Doesn't matter who it is. Matthew chapter 3, look at what his message is. But when he saw who coming, Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, he didn't say, okay, okay, let me show off my Bible knowledge. I know Greek, I know Hebrew. No, 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 no. What will they think? I remember Francis Chan, when he was called to preach in one of John MacArthur's conference, his wife told him, Francis, don't try to be smart. Don't try to show off. And, and, and you know what he was telling? He was, he was saying this, this, he, he went to the, he went to the service that day and he saw John MacArthur sitting in him, uh, there and then he was saying one line and he was looking at him. Saying one line and looking at him. Saying one line and looking at him. What is he thinking? What is he thinking? What is he thinking? And then after the service was over, uh, he sat in the car and his wife said, what was that all about? John MacArthur was there. Do you know that he knows Hebrew, Greek and he was possibly looking at all the mistakes I was making? And she said, honey, don't ever try to be smart. And look at this message. Pharisees and Sadducees came. He's not showing off his Bible knowledge. What is he saying? Brood of vipers. Oh, to the Pharisees and Sadducees, they deserve it. They need that kind of a message. But to the other people, he was possibly a little, okay, okay. No, look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Same witness. Then he said to the multitudes who came to him, what what did he call him? Brood of vipers. Same message to the Pharisees, same message to the multitudes. The response was different. But he never changed his message. He went to the king. This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. This is talking about, like, talking about Herod when he was, heard about Jesus' ministry. For, for Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Finished. He didn't care. He spoke the truth because it mattered to him what God thinks about him. That is a true martyr. But of course, you know the life of John's, John the Baptist, John the Witness. You know how it ended, by the way. You know how it ended, right? He was offended. He was offended. But we can give him an excuse because he has, lo- he has taught us so many lessons. 
We can excuse him because he was a man in the old covenant. What about you and I in the new covenant? This life that God is calling us to, to be a witness, is an impossible life. What is it? Impossible. Impossible. He has to do the impossible in us. To be a witness of this kind. This kind of a witness. This kind of a witness. Who's at peace with God and he cares only about God. He is God saturated. God saturated. So how do we become a witness like this? Acts chapter 1. Very simple. Very simple. But very difficult. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's it. So how do you do? Ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. If you being evil fathers can give good gifts to your children, how much more the Father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit to whomsoever will ask. And when you ask for the Holy Spirit next time, ask that you will be a witness of this kind. This kind. Question, how many of you have a hidden life in God? How many of you have it? How many of you have it? A hidden life. A secret life. Only God knows and you know. Do you have it? Do you have a secret life? Communion where you know that God has spoken to your heart. You have it? Oh, I'm just too small for that. Samuel was three years or seven years old. I don't know how, how old he was when he was when he heard the voice of God. He heard it. Don't tell me that your age is going to be a bar. No, no way. It's because you don't desire to hear his voice because we know when you hear his voice, it's going to require from you. And you don't like that. You don't like that. You don't like that. Because you like being what you are not. That's what you like. This evening I just was preparing this. I mean, of course, I had so many things to say, but I just constrained myself to this. Hebrews will talk about what is a witness? Who is a witness? Hebrews will talk about, Hebrews chapter 12 will talk about, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? All the witnesses who have walked by faith. This is faith. To have a hidden life in God. So when the Son of Man comes, will he find a witness on the earth? A people who are walking by faith, who have a hidden life in God? Do they? Do, will, he, will he find? That is a challenge for us. This generation, especially when we want to be known as such and such and such and such and such and such. Will you hear this voice? Will you hear, hear this voice? Will you wait until God forms character in you and he releases you? Are you in, are you in a hurry? Let's pray this evening. Father, John the Baptist in the, new, in the Old Covenant makes, makes us look so bad, Lord. 
We have to be honest with ourselves this evening. He puts us to shame. A man in the old covenant. I want to pray, Father, for my generation who is seeking for a reputation. Who have lost their identity. Who is trying to be what they are not. God, have mercy upon this generation. Yes, Lord, we are a wicked and adulterous generation. Seeks things of the world, even in ministry. I pray, Father, that you would find witnesses here in this place. And my my prayer, O Lord, will all of us will seek to be that. It's just not one or two, Lord. All of us, beginning with the youngest to the oldest. Father, we'll just not hear words that will titillate us, which will just give us a sensation that we are okay. Challenges, O oh Lord, every day. Some of us have stopped hearing from you. There's no clarity. Father, you said, how can you believe if you seek the honor that comes from man but does not seek the honor that comes from God alone? Father, may you find in us at least a measure of a desire to be a witness. And You said, O oh Lord, if there be first a willing mind, the gift is acceptable. It is not according to what does one does not have, but according to what one has. Make us your witnesses. Create in us a desire to be a witness. Thank you, Father. May you find in us a desire. Create in us a desire. If you don't have it. I pray father for my young generation. My brothers and sisters. My, our children. Oh Lord. These last days. Father. Enable us to get serious oh Lord. There's not much time left. The hour is here. Little children your word says. This is the last hour. Father. Enable us to get our act together. Thank you. Praise you. Jesus' name.